NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Flow Racing is the new home of NASCAR Roots Racing. Subscribe today and stream over 1,300 racing events live and on demand. See NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, battle it out in dirt late models, sprint cars, and more at your favorite tracks every week. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy the amount of emotions that you go through. And really all race long, I was just kind of a, I don't know, I think the best I was was fifth. And the worst I was was 10th or 12th, and um, which was right in line with how I expected the weekend to go. And, and you know, I just... There's another guy over there. Here, over there, his name's Chris Ball, and he and he tells me all the time that you know you just have to be there at the end of these races, and and we see it time and time again where the fastest car doesn't win, and uh, today we were not the fastest car, but we put ourselves in position. My crew chief made a great call to put tires on, and uh, and and it worked out where we won the race. So um, we were there at the end. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Backley and the entire MRN crew here with you after we have now cleared the Roval and we have established the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series heading into Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. And with that, we're going to fire up a NASCAR Live Fast Forum. Steve Post, Jason Toy, Kim Kuhn are going to swing through. We will talk about the Cup Series playoffs to date. We're also going to be chatting about how Las Vegas is handicapping the field as we get closer to crowning a champion. We're also going to speak with Brandon Jones on this week's show. He came from below the cut line last week to advance into the Xfinity Series round of eight. We'll also preview this weekend's South Point 400 at Las Vegas and a whole lot more. But here to throw the green flag on the show, as he does always, Kyle Ricky here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle? Mike, it was a big week for colleague racing. After announcing that A.J. Allmendinger would drive full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series for the team in 2023, the team also finalized their Xfinity Series lineup. 
Chandler Smith will move up from the truck series to the number 16 car that Almendinger will be vacating. Smith has three wins for Kyle Busch Motorsports in 2022 and currently has a 30-point cushion over the cutoff line, heading to the penultimate race of the season at Homestead. Smith's Xfinity Series teammates will be veterans Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick, both of which announced that they will be returning to Colleague Racing in 2023. In the Truck Series, a team that went to victory lane multiple times in 2022 will be switching manufacturers in 2023, according to reports. David Gilliland Racing will make the move to Toyota next season. DGR has been a part of the Ford development program over the last few seasons, but will move over to Toyota to fill the void that will be left by Kyle Busch Motorsports in their move to Chevrolet. Racer reports that both Taylor and Tanner Gray will still be a part of the DGR stable, with current Toyota development driver Corey Heim also being a part of the mix. Mike? Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we're going to have a NASCAR Live Fast Forum with Steve Post, Jason Toy, and Kim Kuhn as we discuss the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs round of eight. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The round of eight has been established for the NASCAR Cup Series heading into Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, the four above the cut line on the outside looking in to start. Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Chase Briscoe. Time for a NASCAR Live Fast Forum. We are joined by Steve Post, Kim Kuhn, and Jason Toy, thank you all three for joining us. We're just going to dive right on in, Posty. Let's talk about what has happened up until now. The biggest surprise for you in the round of 16 and the round of 12 combined. What has happened is complete chaos is what has happened. And so when I look at surprises on the outside looking in, um, Kevin Harvick kind of shocked me that he got booted out so early back in the round of 16. And Kyle Larson, I think that's kind of the shocker out of the round of 12. So on the downside, the surprises are those two. On the upside, I look at who performed the best in those two rounds. In, in the round of 16, Christopher Bell was the most solid, most consistent racer. And in the round of 12, Chase Briscoe was the only driver that had three top 10. So I think chaos describes it, but surprise is good and bad on both sides of that equation. Kim Kuhn is with us as well. Kim, what do you think? Biggest surprise or surprises for you in the first two rounds? Well, I think it's well documented, but the big surprise for me is the number of non-playoff drivers that have been able to win playoff races. We've never seen anything like it in the history of the playoffs, and it's dramatically impacted the playoff drivers in the sense that those non-playoff winning teams have stolen spots as we move round to round, and then they've also stolen playoff points. You forget the winner of a race gets five extra playoff points that if you were a playoff driver, those would transfer to the next round to help you out, to give you some of that buffer, you know, and if, if we had seen maybe a, a Kyle Larson win early or a Austin Cendrick win early in the playoffs, we wouldn't be probably talking about them below the cut line with as close as the points have been. 
one of the biggest under-discussed items, 15 playoff points left on the table unclaimed by playoff drivers because three non-playoff drivers won playoff races. JT, Jason Toy is here. Jason, what about you? Your your, your big surprise here so far. I, you know, I'm going to go a little bit of both with Steve and with Kim. I think on the side what Steve was talking about of the ones that aren't there, I was really surprised Kevin Harvick uh, didn't make it further than what he has, but also here the last week or two, a couple of weeks, he's starting to run a little bit better. Had a great run at, at Charlotte in the Roval. Had a pretty decent run going at, uh, at Talladega, too, but you look at it with Kyle Larson not make, making the advancement and the move over to the next round of 8-2. Uh, I was a little disappointed in uh, how great of a start Trackhouse had and how much of a challenge that they had a little bit here in the middle part of the playoffs. And, of course, Ross Chastain, if he didn't pick up that that stage win at the Roval at Charlotte, he would not be moving on uh, into it, too. So, you know, they're able to advance on. Daniel Suarez had mechanical issues. Obviously, it hurt his day. He didn't make it on, so he didn't move to the next round. But then you look at it, too. I've been impressed with the way the non-playoff drivers have been running to go for wins. And that's the thing. I think a lot of it has to do with the, with the way the car is set up and the way these guys are able to, to run this race car. But also, too, there's that no-quit deal. Now, they're not going to disrespect and knock playoff people out of the way. They were out there just outrunning those playoff drivers to, to come away with victories. That's what's been impressive so far for me, too. Well, it's interesting, though, that one item has been left off this list. Posty, no one's talking about Kyle Busch. It's almost like since his contract has got buttoned up over at RCR and, and all that's going on for next year, him not making the playoffs and not racing forward is an afterthought. Is it for you? Yeah, it is. But I think, Mike, I think when you look at Kyle's performance this year, uh, this is not the Kyle Busch that we're accustomed to. I mean, remember, he's got one win, and it was because Tyler Reddick slipped, or, or Chase Briscoe slid into Tyler Reddick, and Kyle was third up at Bristol. So I think as, as much as the, the contract change, the change of teams and everything is a factor, Kyle has just not had a Kyle Busch kind of season. So I don't know necessarily that it surprised me. I don't think the performance has been good enough uh, to, to, to move forward in the, uh, in the sense that and, and they haven't done so. One of the biggest things for me is who keeps racing his way forward into the playoffs, and that is Chase Briscoe. He won earlier in the season at Phoenix. It looked like taking the white flag, he was out at the Roval, but by the time he got back around, he was in. Kim, it's amazing. I don't know how many lives old Morris Briscoe has over there, but he keeps tapping in, and he keeps getting another life, another life, another life, and now he's in the round of eight. Yeah, I think people counted him out way early. I don't think anybody had him transferring past the round of 16, and that team needs credit in that first round. They went into Bristol, the elimination race, knowing they had to get very solid stage points in stage one and stage two and really race their way into the next round, and they did exactly that. I don't remember specifically. I think they finished third and fourth or fourth and fifth fifth in the first two rounds of of the stages in that Bristol race to, to move on, so they showed they had fight in that first elimination round. And then we saw that fight at Charlotte, at the Roval, you know, how he raced just diving in on um, the back chicane there to gain those spots. And, you know, he can't be counted out. We can't at this point count Chase Briscoe and this team out. And to think they are a four car organization at SHR. And so he is the only car from that team still in the playoffs. So you have to think you know, what Kevin Harvick's doing out there, what Eric Amarola is trying, the things that Cole Custer and that 41 team are doing. 
all of those resources are going towards Chase Briscoe, which is not necessarily the case for the Hendrick drivers, for the Penske drivers, even Team Trackhouse. That four-car effort has been whittled down to one, as Kim describes for Stewart House Racing. The three-car effort for Team Penske has been dwindled down to two. Joey Logano is in. Ryan Blaney's in. Jason, are you surprised, number one, that Blaney's not won a race so far this year? But what do you make about him just being three points out of the championship four going into the first race of the round of eight? You know, I think it shows right there. Sometimes you don't have to win every single race to go out, but you need to be consistent when it comes to playoff time. And that's where Blaney has been. He has been very consistent week in and week out. Now, you know, he's been good at starts of races, middle parts. You kind of see him fade. But there at the end this year, Blaney has been coming back those last handful of laps of a race and been making good decisions on pit road to be able to get themselves in position, you know, and, and contend for the win. And we talked about they have not gotten that victory yet. They have been close so many times, but consistency can also win you a championship they're proving it right there with the way they've been running so going into the round of eight we've got chase elliott leading us five wins you have a group of five drivers with two wins in logano chastain bell byron and hamlin one guy has one win that's briscoe and then of course jason describing ryan blaney's effort winless so far with only four races to go in the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series campaign. When we come back, we're going to do a deeper dive into the round of eight, the tracks that are, that are involved, and perhaps maybe drivers that can take to some of these tracks coming up and get themselves on solid championship four footing as we head into Phoenix for the season finale the first weekend of November. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live Fast Forum. Steve Post, Kim Kuhn, Jason Toy with us, and we appreciate you being with us as well here on NASCAR Live. Let's look forward to the round of eight for the NASCAR Cup Series. You've got to stop at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You've got to stop at the Homestead Miami Speedway. And the final race of the round of eight, Martinsville, which is the next to last race of the season that will set us up for the run to Phoenix and the season finales for Cup, Xfinity, and truck postman with the roster of eight drivers that we have in Elliott Logano, Chastain and Bell, Blaney, Byron, Hamlin, and Briscoe. This next three race stretch, who caters to that round of tracks right now, as you see it, who's left in the round of eight that can do some damage at these tracks coming up here over the next three weeks. I think when we look at it, we need to look like it. Kansas is a, probably a good example of something, a good intermediate track, a wide racetrack, but looks like Homestead. Uh, we need to look at Texas, some bumps like they have at Las Vegas. And when you look at that, I, I'm, I'm thinking Team Toyota's got to feel really, really good about their chances. They've been so good on the intermediate tracks, and I think Christopher Bell, and he even stated it, 
he, 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 one of his post-race mantras has been, you get me through the round of 12 to the round of eight, and I'm good. And I do believe that Christopher Bell is going to be good. Denny Hamlin, I think he's, Denny Hamlin has shown speed on just about every track to win. It's execution there. If they can execute to a marginal level, I think they're pretty good as well. So I really like, just personally, I like the Toyota teams, specifically when we look at these first two races, Homestead and Las Vegas. I think their intermediate program has been really, really good. Kim, what do you think? You agree with that assessment? Uh, I, I agree a little bit. Definitely on the Denny Hamlin front. I talked to him after the Charlotte Roval race and kind of asked him, you know, I, I know this round is strong for you guys. Where do you see you stacking up? And he said, every one of these tracks is P1 for us. You know, we saw Denny win last fall at Las Vegas. He has shown that he can win at Homestead. He's a multi-time winner at Martinsville. So I think this round sets up very well for Hamlin. Also looking at Byron, won Homestead last year. Granted, it was in February. He won Martinsville earlier this year. And then from what I'm hearing from other drivers, they recently did a test uh, at Homestead and lots of folks were looking at the speed that the Team Penske Fords had, surprisingly. So maybe look out for them as we head into this round. You know, it's it's a, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard, though. At this point, you cannot predict anything. And I don't know that we would have guessed what we saw in the first two rounds. And if, if that's an, any indication of the drama that we're going to see in this round of eight, hang on, boys. It's going to be a fun ride. I agree with that. Uh, JT, what do you think? I, when I look at this round of races, I look at this fact that this is the races or this group of races these drivers can race at. Last round, it was a lot of the unknowns, unknown of Talladega, unknown of how you can run at a Roval. But this one with Las Vegas, with Miami Homestead, and with Martinsville, these are racetracks that will see some good racing. You're going to see some hard racing. You're going to see drivers are going to try to, to come out, obviously, to get to that final four. But this is the one we don't have to go, okay, it's not the unknown of you know, going to Las Vegas or the unknown going here or elsewhere. This is going to be some racing racetracks that we can have some fun at. And I, you know, I agree, you know, with Kim, what Kim talked about too. And you look at things happen from the test at, at Homestead, Miami, Ping Penske, but you also look at Penske at the way they run at Las Vegas too. They could have an opportunity to get both their drivers to move on if they can have some good showings in these first two rounds. It's interesting how you started off about inconsistency, not getting what we thought we were going to get. I would say for the round of 12, Posty, that I got exactly the opposite of what I thought I was going to get. I got a chaotic Texas. I got a eh, Talladega. And then I got a eh, Roval. And really, folks had that turned around thinking that we're going to start off, you know, like a proud Mary song. We're going to start off easy, but we're going to end rough, right? The old Ike and Tina Turner classic where we're going to start off. Let's ease into this round. We came out of the box with all this chaos. And then it kind of tapered off. I don't know what to expect over the course of these next three races, especially if you've got guys in Hamlin and Bell that all of a sudden emerge after being virtually playoff silent for the most part. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Mike. I think uh, it's 2022. What is uh, it, it's just totally inverted. So to me, and and specifically when we look at Martinsville, there's a lot of uncertainty in Martinsville, and there's the potential for Martinsville to be rather lackluster. Passing is going to be so tough there, and we're going to see. We saw in the spring race there that it was a little bit lackluster. So I'm kind of with you. I have a hunch that we go to homes or we go to Las Vegas, and there's chaos. I just think that I, I just think that everybody is on the edge pushing these cars, pushing these cars through the bumps in Las Vegas, pushing these cars with the setups, the chassis setups and everything. Uh, look, Texas was chaos. 
Kansas was chaos. You know, they, they those traditional racetracks have been upside down, and I don't know why we would think it's going to change. And, and again, uh, and, and maybe we get some non-playoff drivers in there messing things up as well, too. Kimmy, what do you think? Are we still in the chaos business in the next three races? I think absolutely. To Steve's point about Martinsville, we don't know what we're going to see. You know, they did make some changes that hopefully will make the racing a little bit more competitive when we get to Martinsville. But the drivers talked about it post-Roval race. All of them said, from what we saw in Martinsville, it's going to be dependent on where you qualify. And so I think with that in their heads, they're thinking, all right, well, I can't put any thing in the bank in terms of our performance at Martinsville. So we got to go out there and we got to make things happen at Vegas and make things happen at Homestead. And I, I, the wick is going to be turned up, not that it already isn't. But I think we are back to a round of performance. Uh, Adam Stevens, I had a chat with him early in the round of 12 and kind of had him lay things out and said, you know, the round of 16 was a round of performance. The round of 12 is a round of luck. And, and that was certainly true. He told me that before they went green at Texas, and that was the case even at Texas. And so I think we had a round of performance, a round of luck. I think we're back to a round of performance with the round of eight. JT, what do you think? You agree? I agree. I think it's this is the performance group of tracks that we'll have to that we'll have. But I also look at it, you know, and Steve and Kim and I are on pit road. I think this the pit road performance is also going to be as important as the on track this go around too. you. You've seen so many times this year where mistakes have happened. They haven't gotten the wheel all the way on. They've had issues where the jacks have dropped or anything else. You've got to perform your best. These next four races, obviously, the next three races, obviously, I have a chance to get to the play to the uh, to the championship round at Phoenix. But I think not only the driver, but it's the crew that has to perform at their best here. And I'm guaranteed that this week, after we eliminated four drivers, you probably had another shuffle around when it comes to pit crews. They're going to grab the best of the best they can to make sure those pit stops are perfect here these next three weeks. All right. Well, I'm going to put the three of you on the spot with these few precious moments remaining in this NASCAR Live Fast Forum. Give me four drivers that make the championship four. Posty, you're up. Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, those are my easy ones. Let me get out my dartboard. Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe. Wow. Kimmy, what about you? Ah, this is so hard. I'm going to go Hamlin, Byron, Chase, and Logano. Really? I I, I mean... There's no way to say. That's my best guess. You could have you could have any combination of any four of these eight drivers and potentially be right with the season we've seen so far. Jason? All right, I'm going to go from the outside. I'm going to say I think Chase Elliott. I'm going to go the way Christopher Bell ran last week and the way that that team has potential, I think they could be there too. I'm going to also go with – I'm going to have to pick one Penske driver, and I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. But then I'm also going to go with Ross Chastain. I think that they find some way to be able to continue to be consistently. And I was very impressed with the way they ran that race last week at the Roval, you know, knowing, okay, we got to get these stage points to be able to move on. They had a mechanical issue that jumped up. It saved them. They moved on. I still think that they're running pretty well. I hope you wrote those down, uh, Bagman, because I've already forgotten my four because, again, any of them could make it to the championship <laughs> four. Yeah. Yeah, and when Kim said Joey Logano, I said, wait a minute, I want him too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, I've got Chase, Joey, I've got Chastain, and Blaney. I think that there will be, I think Blaney gets up in the middle of this and makes this, this very interesting for everyone. Appreciate you all for joining us. And Kim, 
Thank you for joining us. Been loving your work over on NBC, and uh, you made us all proud over there. We we appreciate it. Oh, yeah. no, thank you. I'm excited to be back, though, uh, on the MRN airwaves from Martinsville and Phoenix. Can't wait to have you back. Can't wait to chat with all of you. Appreciate it, folks. Jason Toy, Steve Post, Kim Kuhn, wrapping up a NASCAR Live Fast Four. And coming up, we're going to head out to Vegas to hear who the bookmakers favor to win a championship. And later, Brandon Jones will join us. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This season has probably been one of the most unpredictable of all time. We've had 19 different winners in the Cup Series, and there's been inconsistency involved with this new race car that it's been, well, it's made it hard for pundits, let alone those setting the odds at Las Vegas, to say who the favorite is on any given week. But... As we draw closer to Phoenix, the championship picture is less blurry. And with the series heading to Las Vegas this weekend, we thought it would be perfect to check in with how the casinos are breaking down the NASCAR Cup Series round of eight. Only eight drivers remain with a chance to win the NASCAR Cup Series championship in 2022. As the series heads to the gambling capital of the world this weekend, let's take a look at where each of the remaining drivers stands in terms of odds. Let's start with the favorite. Here comes Chase Elliott. He's going to lead him through the trioval. Can he lead him all the way to the checkered flag? Ryan Blaney is there. He'll look to the outside. He won't get there. And Chase Elliott has won at Talladega. Chase Elliott was the final of the four Hendrick Motorsports drivers to win in 2022. But since then, he has emerged as the favorite to win the championship. Elliott was crowned the regular season champion, and that win at Talladega was his series best fifth of the season. Elliott is an overwhelming favorite to win his second championship this fall, according to Vegas. His odds sit at plus 180, or less than 2-1. to one. That is better odds than Elliott or any favorite has had entering any of the 32 races so far this season. There are three drivers right behind Elliott that Vegas thinks have a great shot at advancing to Phoenix. Off turn four, the streak has been broken. Denny Hamlin sees the checkered flag, and Hamlin wins the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway. Here they come, racing in the trioval. And Kurt Busch is in the middle lane. They're crashing behind him. Kurt Busch, hard into the outside wall. Bubba Wallace into the wall, steaming to the line. Ross Chastain will win the Geico 500. As he exits turn number four, the fans on their feet waving their hats checkered flag in the air joey logano wins the inaugural enjoy illinois 300 at worldwide technology raceway at gateway denny hamlin ross chastain and joey logano have all been a part of the narrative of the season all year long and vegas thinks they could be elliott's competitors at phoenix Denny Hamlin is the second favorite to win the championship at 5-1. Hamlin is still searching for his first series championship, but is a winner at each of the remaining tracks and could finally remove his name from the best-to-never-win-a-title list this season. Logano and Chastain are tied at 6-1, but boast entirely different resumes in terms of experience. 
Logano, along with Elliott, is one of the only remaining champions in the field, while this is Chastain's first appearance in the playoffs. Both drivers could be favorites at Phoenix, with Logano having won at the similar Worldwide Technology Raceway in June, and Chastain was part of a three-way battle for the win at Phoenix in March. Sitting right behind those drivers are some young guns looking to get to the championship four for the first time. Wind the clock for William Byron off four, and he will win tonight at Martinsville. Career win number four for Willie B is leading the field. This time the checkered flag is in the air, and Ryan Blaney has won the all-star race here at the Texas Motor Speedway. William Byron, Ryan Blaney, and Christopher Bell are all looking to advance to the championship four for the first time in their careers, and Las Vegas puts all of their odds at plus 800 or 8 to one to ultimately become the champion. Byron was the first driver to score multiple wins in 2022, but a quiet summer left some questioning his playoff chances. Byron has survived in advance though and enters the round of eight as the most recent winner at both Homestead and Martinsville. Other than the all-star race, Ryan Blaney remains winless in 2022, but him winning a championship wouldn't be far-fetched as he sat second to Elliott in the point standings for the majority of the season. Christopher Bell had to win at the Charlotte Roval to keep his hopes alive, and he did just that by passing Kevin Harvick in the closing laps. With the speed Joe Gibbs Racing has had at intermediate racetracks this season, many could see Bell scoring a win at Las Vegas or Homestead to lock in to the championship four. While seven of the eight remaining drivers have fairly good odds according to the sports books, there is one long shot remaining. Chase Briscoe leads into turn three for the final time in Phoenix. Mistake free and a day he will never forget. Off four, final time, checkered flag is out. Career win number one for Chase Briscoe across the line. And Briscoe will win the Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway. Chase Briscoe is the Cinderella story of the 2022 playoffs. The Stuart Haas racing driver was pegged by many to fail to advance out of the round of 16. He proved them wrong. Even more thought the round of 12 would be his last. Thanks to multiple passes on the final lap at the Charlotte Roval, it won't be. Vegas again thinks that the round of eight will be the end for Briscoe as he sits at plus 2,500 or 25 to one to win the championship. But Briscoe has wins at both Homestead and Las Vegas in the Xfinity series, and as you heard, the only time this next-gen car raced at Phoenix, it was the 14 car in victory lane. 2022 has been an unpredictable season full of underdog victories. If Briscoe advances to Phoenix, we could cap the season off with one of the most unpredictable champions ever. So it's a story of the two chases for Vegas. They love Chase Elliott's chances. Chase Briscoe's not so much. We'll have to see how all things play out over the course of the final month of the season. Coming up. We'll chat with Joe Gibbs Racing's Brandon Jones. He'll join us to preview the Xfinity Series round of eight. And later we hear what the drivers are expecting upon their return to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. We've been talking about the round of eight for the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's talk about the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And it was a week ago that Brandon Jones was on the outside looking in. Matter of fact, out by 22, and now into the round of eight by two. Brandon joins us on the NASCAR Live Zoom hotline. How in the world did you do that last weekend at the Roval? And by the way, welcome aboard. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Well, first of all, great to see you again. I know it hasn't been very long since our last talk, so maybe that was the key to this whole thing, man. Maybe, maybe you should do this more often. But I know, right? Look, I, you know, I, I love adrenaline, and I got a, a big dose of it that day, man. It was uh, an up and down type of day. Knew coming into the to the weekend that it was going to be all about trying to maximize the amount of points that we could get, and um, fired off the weekend really fast. Had a really good lap in practice, and then picked up a few tens of practice and everybody else picked up seconds and, and qualifying. I mean, so it was like, what the heck? You know, didn't get a good lap in qualifying and I uh, was thinking, okay, you know, I'll probably be able to drive up through the field, no problem. And uh, as soon as the, uh, as soon as the green flag dropped, I didn't really go anywhere. Like I was stuck and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's gonna be one of those days where it's gonna be difficult to pass and I'm back here in the horn's nest. And uh, so all the little demons, man, like they creeped in pretty quick on me. But uh, I think Jeff did a phenomenal job of kind of figuring out, okay, you know, we, we just need trap position. How do we get up front? How do we get, um, you know, where we need to be here? And uh, did a good job of kind of flipping that stage and, and getting us that stage win. And truthfully, that's probably what saved our butts at the end of that thing was having that stage win and having the points to uh, to be able to, to say, okay, we can go out there and we just got to beat Sieg when it came down to the end. And, and man, it was like, I had told them before the race, I said, just keep me updated. I was like, if someone wrecks, if somebody has a misfortune, like I need to know this stuff because there's going to be no point in me pushing from a seventh place finish to a sixth place if we don't have to. You know, you can just, you, you take too many risks sometimes and you end up uh, spinning yourself out or, or taking yourself out of contention. And, and that's just, I knew I did not want to do that. So it was a lot at the end of two points are good, one point, three point, it just kept going back and forth. But uh, I, I knew once the last lap, I had a few laps, there are a few car lengths of barrier between me and Sieg. And um, I was like, okay, I think we can probably for at least two laps, at least, man, I can defend, you know, if I have to and um, came down to not having to. So that was, that was good, but man, what a day it was for sure. We know that obviously there's a lot of work to do in this round. You got Las Vegas, you've got Homestead, and obviously, you've got Martinsville coming up and three very unique tracks and very different racetracks. Let's handle what comes first, Las Vegas. What kind of challenges does a track like Las Vegas Motor Speedway throw your way? It is uh, it is always one to me that I've thought is similar to Kansas, but it, it's like we don't have quite the speed at Las Vegas that we normally do at Kansas. And um, take it, take me back to a few years ago. We ran really well there. I think 2021 or so, kind of the first race, we were uh, we were able to run like third all day long and really fast. And ever since then, we have kind of gotten you know far, far away from from where we were there. And um, going back this time around, man, we, we were like, okay, we learned some stuff at Kansas that helped us a bunch this time. Um, we're going to take similar stuff there. And we're going to try to go similar back to how we were really fast in the past. And so I, I think this time, it, this time around is going to be really, really good. I mean, this team is really firing on all the right cylinders right now. We've, we've been sitting on poles. We've been super fast and qualifying, um, running up front in all these races. So I don't see any reason why we don't go out there and have a have a really really solid day and i think we can win vegas and i think we can win truthfully all three of these tracks in this in this second round that we're in here i, I feel like they're all right in our in our wheelhouse and i hear all the guys saying that you know i mean these are all just really good tracks for these guys that are in the round of eight but specifically i think that these are going to be really good for us but the big big areas that that track kind of gives concern man is you never know if it's going to go bottom middle top like there's multiple grooves there and it all depends weather wise um, I think the last time we were there this year, we had sleet and snow at one point. And now looking at the weather, we've got 91 degrees. So definitely a big change, you know, going from that first race to the second race. But uh, 
it's uh, it's always a very, very fast and aggressive mile and a half. And the guy that doesn't fall off as much as the other car, obviously, will, will probably win the race. And then the following week, we go to Homestead, which is a traditional mile and a half, kind of like the old Atlanta Motor Speedway used to be, but with a lot more character. That that track sits out there and bakes in the sun year year in and year out, day in and day out. You can get her up against the wall. What's the approach for Homestead for you guys? It will be very interesting to see how that track has changed. I know um, that was very similar to trend to like Chicago and Iowa and those places where they go through harsh winters and harsh summers. And, um, you know, I think that it changes them a bunch. The last time we were at Homestead, we were really fast again, man. I, I felt like that was a track when I first came to this series that I struggled with. I mean, it is a very technical, difficult mile and a half and slow grip tough to figure out but we really got fast that last race that we were on it and so i was sad to uh did not be able to go for a year on it but now coming back man i, I have a lot of confidence uh going to that track I, I feel like um darlington those types of low grip tracks that is something that we have really gained a lot of knowledge on lately and really become pretty fast so um yeah i, I feel that what we have made massive improvements on our cars um, that will that will help me a bunch, and I've I've gained a bunch of uh, you know knowledge from talking to other drivers and, and even from just experience that that will help us uh, even much more. And then the following week, we're off to Martinsville. Good luck keeping the fenders on the thing. <laughs> Look, man, if it can go anything like the first one this year, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. The, the first race, man, we played strategy to to get points. You know, that was one of those days that we we wanted to get some points. Um, we did not flip stages like some guys did. We stayed out and took the stage points and um, was able to drive by cars. I mean, that's the key to that racetrack. It, it's very, very difficult to not get in a rut and follow the guy in front of you. You know, I think that's why that track is is so difficult in that sense is you get so honed in as a driver on the guy in front of you. You're watching him and you don't focus on, okay, what can my car do capable wise? And what can we do to pass him? You, you kind of get to following his line too much. Our car did a really, really good job of, honestly, offsetting to the guy in front of us, and um, it, it worked out well. Coming up Saturday, it's uh, race one of the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Noah Gregson, A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, Brandon Jones, Sam Mayer, the eight still in title contention. Brandon, we appreciate you joining us. Good luck in racing forward. Have safe trips and safe travels at the Las Vegas and points forward, my friend. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it as always. Coming up, we'll preview the Cup Series South Point 400 at Las Vegas. And later, we'll look back on one of the first races at Vegas in our classic race flashback. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend will mark the second time this season that the Cup Series has raced at Las Vegas, but the race back in March was 30 races ago, and so much has changed since then. How different are drivers' expectations coming into this race than they were perhaps maybe in the spring? Remember, added pressure because of the playoffs. Kyle Ricky is back with more. Six races are down in the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, and now only four races sit between eight drivers and becoming a champion. The next round for those eight drivers starts this weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The round of eight has a different feel to it than in years past. Only two former champions remain in the field. 
and five of the eight drivers have never advanced to the championship four. One driver who is a part of the new blood is Christopher Bell. Bell took advantage of the chaotic close to the race at the Charlotte Roval and advanced in a must-win situation. Bell wasn't very confident heading into the Roval, but after that walk-off moment, he feels much better about his chances in becoming a champion. Yeah, I mean, we're still alive. <laughs> that feels really good, and, and I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, a week ago or even five hours ago. So, I mean, I, I like our chances, and, you know, the, all the, the rest of the races play out really good for us, and we just have to execute and, and dot our I's and cross our T's and, and see where the cards fall. So, you know, I, it feels good. Feels really good. Ryan Blaney is another driver in the round of eight that is looking for his first championship. And while Blaney loves going to Vegas, he says teams will have to look at notes from other intermediate tracks heading into this weekend because of how much has changed with the Gen 7 car since they raced there in the spring. We learned a lot about these things, you know, at that race and feels like a long time ago uh, we were at Vegas. But uh, I look forward to going back there, obviously, Everyone's gotten a better grip on these cars and and a way to kind of make them work at certain places better than, you know, others. And, and you can you just build up your list of compares, right? I mean, you're going to go look back and see how you were at Vegas and, and what do you want to change. But the cars, we've gotten a, such a better understanding of them now that probably what you what you had at Vegas in the spring is not going to work when you go back. You know, you have to use other information like places we've been at, you know, before, like a Charlotte or something like that. So. I'm excited to get back there. I, I love racing Vegas. Ross Chastain's performance earlier this year at Las Vegas was one of the first signs that he would be a contender in 2022. The Watermelon Man led 83 laps and finished third on that day. And while he admits to not fully understanding the technical aspect of how much the car has changed, he does know one thing. The amount of risk versus reward you take with your setup this weekend will be a huge factor. Way more than I understand, man. I I don't claim to bolt these cars together or understand how they're designed and, and, and our setups, how we get them. So I know they, they drive a bit different um, and you see different people, right, competing. Um, and that risk versus reward that the sport's seeing now with tires, right? It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a real decision you make on how aggressive are you and um, you don't see us out leading laps and dominating like we, you know, you can make the case that we were a top couple, top three, top five car in the spring. And um, although we know we need to go do that, uh, it's not uh, it's not with undue risk, uh, both me driving and, and also the setup on the car. So Chastain's team owner, Justin Mark, says that he is confident in how his team will handle that risk versus reward proposition and loves where Trackhouse's intermediate program is heading into the next round. We we had a great race in Vegas in the spring. Um, we had a great test at Homestead. Um, you know, we I feel like our mile and a half program is is really pretty strong right now. I think that the um, you know I think that we're pretty good at managing risk when it comes to tire pressures and things like that. I think that we've got you know we've got two incredibly strong pit crews right now. Um, that are excited about the challenge. That risk versus reward situation will be under the microscope even more than usual this weekend after tire issues have put playoff contenders behind the eight ball at both Kansas and Texas. Corey LaJoy notes that there were issues with the left rear tires all the way around back in Vegas, but recent situations have given teams more knowledge on where the line is 
in terms of camber and air pressure. Uh, well, we were at Vegas earlier in the year and we saw a couple left rear problems just because I was a fairly new and that was the first high banked intermediate we went to all year. Didn't quite know how much stop load they can have and how much air they can take out because left rear air out is just free speed. Like it literally is just directly t- related to grip and the f- car goes faster. I think we have more knowledge on where that line is overall with, with teams uh, in terms of what is too much camber and not enough air. Texas is unique. I think Rodney did say it well with that piece. It's like the reason why we have had more issues at, at Texas is because you try to maximize your car to tor- turns one and two because it has way less vertical load. And that's where you do all your passing because the, the gap between cars that handle well and the cars that handle not as well like as a bigger gap there than it is in three and four because you're in the gas pretty much the entire corner. Who will perfectly tow that risk versus reward line in the city where gambling is always top of mind? Who might push all their chips to the center of the table and come up empty? Whether a driver locks themselves into a chance to race for a championship on Sunday remains to be seen. But what each of the final eight drivers will have to do to advance past Homestead and Martinsville We'll come into focus after the South Point 400. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, about to head back 21 years in the rearview mirror to the 2001 UAW Daimler Chrysler 400. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, wanted to give you a snippet of this week's MRN Classic Race. It's the 2001 UAW Daimler Chrysler 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Will be a lot of gambling going on in turns three and four here this afternoon as they come back into the trioval and work their way to the start-finish line and try to get positioning on the other car. Most of the guys will tell you, although it's a very wide-sweeping racetrack, you really want to keep your car down at the bottom lane if you can. And what you don't want to happen is to slide up a little bit and see someone else pull down underneath you because chances are you're going to lose positions there. Well, as we said uh, in the beginning, it is a handling racetrack, and the lower you can run at the apron of the speedway, the better off you're going to be. The pace car has the field in tow off turn number four. Now the pace car is moving on to pit road, getting set for the race as they come out of turn number four and down to the line. Dale Jarrett and Johnny Benson up on row one. Jerry Nadeau, Michael Waltrip in row two. Tony Stewart and Todd Bodine sit back there in the third row as they approach the green flag. And the green is waving. Here they come down to the line on the start. DJ gets a good jump by a car length and a half over Jerry Nadeau, who now slides into second. And he will do that at the expense of Johnny Benson third. Michael Waltrip goes fourth. Then they're side by side for the fifth position. Tony Stewart inside of Todd Bodine Todd Bodine makes it a battle for the fourth spot between himself and Michael Waltrip. Bodine will try to beat Waltrip to the corner, and he does into turn three, so give Todd Bodine the fourth spot. Your leader is still Dale Jarrett. Jerry Nadeau is second. Johnny Benson in third. Everybody trying to tuck down to the inside lane as quick as they can. They don't want to be hung out on the high side. Across the line, it is still Dale Jarrett, Jerry Nadeau as they work their way back into the corner. Now from fifth place on back, they're getting too wide in turn one. That's where Tony Stewart is down to the inside of Michael Waltrip with Sterling Marlin trying to latch John to Stewart's back bumper to give him a shot, but there's trouble in turn two, and it's Jeff Burton who spins to the top of the bank 
Racing. Burton backs his Ford into the outside wall. Some heavy damage to the left rear quarter panel on Burton's machine. Caution on the speedway. It will come out at lap number two. Again, as Jeff Burton's car got turned around over there, backed into the outside wall as they race back down to the line. Dale Jarrett will bring him back under the yellow flag. Back to turn two. Well, Barney, ironically, one of the most successful drivers of this racetrack, Jeff Burton, working his way in the outside lane through turns one and two. When he got to corner number two, the car spun, slid up the racetrack. You can hear that classic race on MRN Classics this week and on MRN.com. This MRN flashback is brought to you by Mahindra. Race fans, don't forget to cheer for Chase Briscoe in the Mahindra Tractors number 14 car. And race into your local dealer for big savings on Mahindra, the official tractor of Tough. I'd like to thank Brandon Jones for joining us this week on the show. Also, our thanks to Steve Post, Kim Kuhn, and Jason Toy. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll chat with you on NASCAR Live Wide Open on Thursday and right back here on NASCAR Live next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, have a great week. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.